morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Sir Meerkat, and welcome back to the Moto Meerkat channel, and welcome to another episode of the Chatterbox Podcast. Now, in last week's episode of the podcast, or I say last week, it's been a little bit of a while since we had an episode. I'm very happy to be back, but we did have Mr. Hayden Gullis, a man who's become a mainstay at the Veloce Esports channel and often works alongside people like Tomo, people like Aldas. And today, we're going to be joined by another man who's worked a lot with Tomo and Aldas, which probably hasn't really helped with his waning sanity. He has somehow managed to accumulate over 200,000 subscribers on YouTube probably because he's pretty talented at what he does. And he's been dubbed by some as the Kiwi Valtteri Bottas. Please welcome <laughs> Mr. Josh Ravel. How are you doing today, mate? Slightly tired, but apart from that, no, it's going all right, eh? Just a little bit. What's the time with uh, with you there right now? Uh, basically 6 o'clock, 6 a.m. 6 o'clock in the morning, and you've had how many hours of sleep? Some total of none. Right. <laughs> Such is the schedule, mate. You've got to keep that hustle up. That's exactly. how I get to 200,000 subs. I mean, no sleep. It's completely detrimental to my mental health, physical health, to my mm-hmm. social life. Um, I mean, that didn't exist anyway. So that's hey, who needs that? Who needs that for a full life? Exactly, mate. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Is, that, is, is that what you're saying then? Uh, I want to get to 200,000 subscribers, so I should just not sleep. That's the way to do it. You gotta make some sacrifices to get to this level. Either that or, you know, I don't know. Depends on how you look at it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's um, no, it's been mental, obviously, especially the last, you know, what was it been, three, four months, especially where you no, know, the growth has been uh, tremendous. Um, of course, crap loads of hours, like <clears throat> averaging something like. 70 or 80 hours on average per week um every week for the longest time and it's just like crap (laughs) so i've taken like a couple weeks off to sort of get my head straight and try and get more ideas out because of course when you're working endlessly and you're having to write a script uh, like write a four or five page script in two days like, it's pretty tough to get something which I want to be, you know, good, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I, yeah. want, I want there to be a, a good, full script that's, you know, cohesive. And it's, you know, it's got, you know, a moral and all that good jazz that you've got to have oh. in a good script and all that stuff. I, I want yeah. it to mean something rather than it just having... A nuke in there. Well, you got to have nukes in there, but of course. Yeah, it basically, sort of that's been it for uh, the longest time. So having a two-week break is something that I've wanted for a long time. But uh, yeah, so far it's been it's been mental, eh? Yeah, man, that's good. Yeah, good giving yourself a break, as you say. Yeah, working that much just takes a takes a massive toll on your mental and physical health. So yeah, definitely good to give yourself a break, mate. But yeah, as we've said. You've not had much sleep today, and I'm, I'm a bit ill as well. So sorry if this podcast is a little bit disjointed. Not done it for a month, and I'm ill. And Josh is a very, very tired man. Though, God damn we're going to we're we're gonna gonna have a great time. This, we're going to make this a cracker. Exactly. It's going to be better, the best podcast you've the ever sake seen. Of the, the most animated podcast you've ever seen. But right, let's get into it. Firstly, okay, you've, you've let us know kind of what's going on with the schedule there, but just generally, Josh. 
How's life for you down under? What's going on down under? You guys have been relatively okay virus-wise for a while. Obviously, we're only just kind of getting out of it. But what's going mm. on with your life other than YouTube-wise at the moment, mate? Well, basically, you're wondering what life is like here in New Zealand. Um, pretty normal. I mean, honestly, you wouldn't guess that COVID's happening in the world. Obviously, uh, you can't mess around in the airport anymore. Um, you know, that stuff's gone. Um, you know, traveling to other countries is a bit tricky. You know, we got the Cook Islands and Australia with this quarantine-free travel, you know, to and fro. So that concept is kind of... Um, foreign you know e even for us now still we're still not used to that especially with all the restrictions since the beginning of 2020 you know it's it's um it's different but apart from that it's 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 great being down here even though i've been planning to move back to the uk but that's got its own set of dramas of course um so now, yeah because yeah, i think i think like i mean i was searching it up and you know you could transfer through Singapore, for example, but you know you try and go through the UAE and you got to quarantine for ten days, even if you just transit through there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's I don't know why, <laughs> you know, in all of this, I'm still planning to come over to the UK when life is what it is over here in New Zealand, even though time zones are are a bit crap and and all that stuff. It's you know. Can't complain about how things are going down uh, over here. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. You definitely got a a sweet side of the deal, shall we say? It's been done very nicely down in New Zealand, and uh, yeah, you're allowed to have a bit of fun out there still. Hopefully, UK is going to be back to that relatively soon, and you're able to finally come over to England. I guess that probably means you're not going to be able to come to the Silverstone Grand Prix at least this year. Then, are you planning on doing mm. uh, planning on going to the Australian Grand Prix the next time that happens? Uh, the next one that'll happen will probably be next year because, you know, because if one looking to do quarantine free travel, now it's something that needs to be understood about Australasia. There are no exemptions. Like, it's not going to happen. You know, yeah. so Lewis and, you know, the rest of the F1 circus, they want quarantine free travel. It's not going to happen anytime soon unless where they're coming from. Um, and, you know, as long as they can fit the requirements. But that's obviously not going to happen in, like, what? About four or five months? So, yeah, I can't see the Aussie Grand Prix happening this year, so I'm still waiting on going to my first Formula One Grand Prix. The 26 years, I haven't been to so one. So long now. <laughs> um, now that I can go to one, like, I can't afford it. Um, ideally, I would have liked to have come over to the uk to go to silverstone for for that yeah. meet up with all the gang and all the other youtubers and all that stuff and you know just you know just meet some some of the youtubers be like hey it's great to see you another one's just like hey i hate your guts but good to see you too <laughs> <laughs> not you john calm down you're jesus okay you brought my soul out of that <laughs> No, no. It, it's, You've tried it, it to kill me through the screen. <laughs> it is, it is a dream though, you know, to actually meet up with all the other YouTubers. It'll be, it'll be great, you know. Be so um, also, got to get cranky over to um, 
exactly. the British Isles for that, you know. Definitely. Get a whole big group photo and just say, hey, look, we got the whole F1 YouTube community here in some weird way. I don't know. It's it's yeah. a bit of a bit of a dream, but it would be yeah. Hopefully, it can happen soon. All of the uh, current guidelines that are in place. It's exactly what they don't ah, want us screw. to do. <laughs> they only save lives. Yeah, exactly. That's a good reason, but still, <laughs> nah, like, it, it'll be great. It'll be great to happen when it does. Exactly. Yeah, something to look forward to, and hopefully can happen relatively soon. But let's not get too bogged down in COVID chatter. We're already tired, so there's no point in bringing you down even further. Let's talk a bit about you, my friend, because that's what we're okay. all here to listen about. And mm-hmm. you love speaking about yourself, Josh. Come on, we we all love speaking about yeah, ourselves a little bit. So I'm a cantankerous, before... blonde-headed uh, bloke that loves talking about himself. Exactly. They exactly. recently elected one of them people as president. Mm, I think, yeah, I think you've been in shoes quite well, mate. Subscribers. <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> right, okay. Let's talk about you. Let's cast our minds back to your childhood. Did you always grow up in New Zealand? And what was life like as a kid for you in New Zealand, if that's where you grew up? Yeah, I, I won't. I won't joke around on this. Yeah, nah. Born and bred here in Auckland, New Zealand, and um, yeah. Don't um, be saying like Trinidad and Tobago or something because I just know you're lying. Hey, <laughs> does anything about my accent, about my mannerisms, suggest that I have any amount of origin from that place? Who knows, mate? <laughs> no, it's no, it's it, it's been pretty much almost my entire life I've lived here apart from like three months living over in the UK where that fell yes. apart pretty damn badly but right. um, you know like growing up as a kid here I mean it's great I mean I, I don't know like because obviously I have nothing to compare it to it's it's you know um, yeah I don't know. It's, it's, it's been it's been great growing up here you know I, yeah. I suppose I don't know what more to add to that um, but what else could we talk about from that period that's cool I'm not going to push you for an answer for that because yeah that's fair enough Good. same answer basically <laughs> that I had from F1 Addict when I was speaking to him where I was like um, the first time I asked that kind of question I left it much more open and I was just to him like what was it like life in Turkey and he was like I don't really know. It's just like what I've always known kind of thing. So I was like, oh yeah, obviously he's not going to be able to compare that to my British upbringing. But yeah, like school-wise, how did you find school, mate? Was it a a simple ride? You were just so smart, your brain was coming out your ears. Or was it a bit more challenging? Were were you a bit of a jock? Or were you a bit of a nerdy kid? What what were we thinking? What were we saying? I was in that weird middle ground. You know, like, I mean, definitely not a nerd. Um, there are obviously some subjects which I was good at, but the other ones I just sucked, like math. And I think it's oh, pretty evident when you watch I'm some of my videos mate. and have a look at the numbers I put in there, just like, really? <laughs> just, uh, um, but really my big subjects were things like English rich subjects. So, mm-hmm. uh, writing stories, scripts, all that stuff. And that obviously translated to where I am now, um, Ironically, I wanted to do journalism uh, back in high school, but uh, they said there's not enough people in this class. There's only seven or eight people signed up for this gig, so you're going to have to go into this other class, which ended up having five or six ones. It's like, okay, so you're screwing my life. <laughs> Just like, I yeah, want to be a journalist. Um, and you know, subsequently, I took up an IT class, and 
I spent like about seven grand going to a tertiary course to be a web designer and then I gave up on the industry two weeks after graduating, which is great. Um, But, you know, like, um, yeah, especially in the start of high school, you know, uh, I say that I was in that weird middle ground because I wasn't, you know, a total jock, of course, but, you know, I was playing rugby and... At that time, I was karting, you know, so doing a fair amount of sports, um, which was obviously great. But you could tell that our rugby team wasn't very good when a um, Japanese school toured us and put 100 points on our team. So, you know, like, it's it was, yeah, it, it, you know, and, play, and playing rugby and American football uh, at lunchtime, and it's sometimes playing on the AstroTurf thing where I had to... Um, sort of cage fencing all around and it was full on tackle on that astroturf so you just turn up to the last class with ripped shirts and oh. blood and and all that stuff and it was just great and i remember because um it was uh what was a graphic design class what was a graphic design uh, it was something where, you, where we were designing buildings in a year 13 class i don't know why you know no, you, you could be learning how to sort out your finances, but no, design buildings. Um, and the uh, teacher for that class was a big rugby rugby fan, um, and he just see us turning up as absolute an absolute mess. And, be, and all he asked was, "Did you win the game?" <laughs> it's just like none of this. Are you okay? It's just like, did you win? No, rubbish, mate. <laughs> Exactly. It's not worth getting the injuries if you're not going to win. Come on, we've got we've got to take that win. But yeah, that's nice. That's a good uh, good mentality to have. But you kind of started to tickle at two certain points I wanted to go into. So I'm going to pick the the first one of the two. Mm-hmm. Was it in school? You were you were saying it was at school where you started doing go kart racing. When was the sort of age where you started getting into motor racing, and what was the catalyst to that love of fast cars? First time introduced to racing cars. I mean, obviously, you know, as a kid, as a kid, you're given matchbox cars and all that stuff. You know, yeah. um, I guess I liked them back then, and so I was given my first uh, PlayStation One console when I was five, six years old. Nice. And the first game I got on that console was a uh, Formula One 2001, and okay. you know. I still remember playing that game. Well, all I remember playing back in that time was me somehow managing to get up the escape road on turn three at Melbourne and being stuck there for half an hour. <laughs> I mean, I kicked it off, you know, getting you know DVDs of V8 supercar racing over here and just watching it nice. religiously. Nice. Um, you know, Formula One. Eventually, I was introduced to that at some point. I don't remember what was the first Grand Prix I actually watched, although the first one I remember was 2004 German Grand Prix. It was the one where Jensen Button was holding his visor down. Um, But, yeah, it was basically, you know, me just being hooked on it from that point on. Um, Probably watching it... As Shumi was starting to sort of come toward the end of his first career, I guess you could say. Started watching it properly, religiously, 
from 2007 onwards. Uh, so I caught right at the time where Lewis came in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember like the 2008 uh, Brazilian Grand Prix because that was a Monday morning for us, you know. Of and I remember I was like, note, note that I, I want to watch this race in its entirety, you know. And I was gutted because I was I'm I'm a, I'm still a Hamilton fan, but I was a massive Hamilton fan back then. And I was like, damn, he's lost the championship. Then he passed his clock on the last corner, and yeah, that, that was a good day at school for me for sure. It was only, only Monday where I was actually happy going to school, but I would imagine, and you know, a lot of other parts people weren't that happy but mm. yeah um in terms of proper racing where like when i was competing in it when i first got into it about 13 years old was when i first got a go-kart um you got your own go-kart yeah and oh, nice. you know competed here in new zealand and i mean the the talent that was competing um here in the karting scene was astonishing you know you had the likes of Mitch Evans um you know Andre Heimgartner you know just uh some of these kids were unbelievably good and a lot of them didn't even make it to cars you know it says something when you got V8 supercar future V8 supercar winners down in 10th 11th place at a local meeting that gives you an idea of the amount of talent that was in there and I was stuck there and we knew nothing about racing back then. So we were running default setup and running tires down to the canvas. We, we, we knew nothing about how to run anything. So that sucks trying to learn everything the hard way. We ran out of money and then we got money again. I got myself into a Rotax. Ran out of money after three meetings again. And I, at that point, I was also doing rugby. And I got... A broad frame and trying to nail down about 85 kgs in the car especially when you're up against bloody twigs racing against them just wasn't going to work yeah. so we quickly abandoned that and since then i've got more money to you know get back into it but of course now the costs of motor racing are just crap <laughs> yeah. um, I'm just enjoying watching it from the sidelines um, or previously doing esports racing which is what I did before you know I did a lot of esports after leaving karting uh, three national V8 titles um, and uh, I first qualified for the Gran Turismo Sport New Zealand Championship which I had second in the bag and I screwed it up by trying to make it on one pit stop and almost ran out of fuel and lost the podium, which sucked. And then... Um, At least you went for it, mate. At least you went for it. And then I qualified to compete in the Project Cars 2 Championship in New Zealand the next year. Nice. And that championship killed my love of sim racing. <laughs> so, nah, the, the, there was Why a was few things... Because... At that point, I mean, all the way to the point, I just, I was a very casual racer. I really just turned up and just put in a few laps and I just winged it in the races. 
and uh, I, want, I want a lot of stuff, but you know, at that level, which it got to then, you had to be super committed, you know, you had to put in the work to get up to speed with some of these other cats, you know, um, you know, a couple of these guys, you know, are in like the top division of iRacing, and so that was something that I had to go up against, but I wasn't into that. I was just a casual racer. Um, and the other thing is that I hadn't actually played Project Cards 2 up to that point. I just turned up at the qualifying day and I managed to get in. And then nice. I actually raced in Project Cards 2. With, and the car they gave us was the Janetta GT4 car. And that was the worst experience of my life because that, I mean, apart from the game sucking, the car was beyond hey. garbage. Hey, don't you speak badly on my Project Cars 2 now, Josh. I would, rather, I would rather go out on a dinner date with Akita Mazepin than spend <laughs> one more minute in that GT4 car. And as well as that... Mazepin was Mazepin was more predictable than that GT4 car. You didn't know when you're going into a corner whether or not it was going to understeer or oversteer. It's like yeah. make up your mind, be be either lazy or be recalcitrant, but be one or the other. Um, and as well as that, there was conflicts with this other guy who was being, shall we say, aggressive. You know. Um, so that was a bit of an uncomfortable situation being in the same building, you know, mm. as them. Every week on national television, um, I won a couple of races, which was cool. Ended up finishing third in the championship. But... Sorry, Josh. Hold on. This was on national television? Yeah. I think, actually, we were broadcast ahead of, like, rugby championships. <laughs> so, like... That has blown my mind, mate. How did I never know this? You're, you're really good, then. I mean, I'm okay. I mean, like... I, 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 mean, I mean, for something to, have, uh, to be on national TV, it has to have had backing. So it must have been yeah. a pretty big thing. That's sick, mate. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was... That's sweet. I, I don't know. I think if you watch those episodes, you just see a gradual decline of my love of sim racing. And by the fun... <laughs> And by the final round, I just gave like this weird-ass interview where I said I was happier than a gypsy in Hamilton because I won two thousand bucks. Was it two or three thousand bucks out of that? And I managed to use that to put toward um, hiring a GTR over in Japan, which was a great experience. Nice. But by that point, I'm just like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> I'm yeah, never sim racing again. So apart from losing my love of real racing, I lost my love of sim racing. But oh. you know. I experienced it all, um, and you know, I guess I learned a lot out of it. You know, not just um, about you know internal things in the sport, but also just what goes on. I guess in a racing driver's mind, at least I have some kind of idea. So mm -hmm. I guess it gives me a better understanding of the topics ahead, which is why I could say. Oh, this guy is sort of lacking in form a bit, but he may bounce back. He just needs that motivation. And where I could say that Alessio Deleta is genuinely the worst driver to ever grace Formula 2 and that he should have no place on that grid. And, you know, yeah, all that jazz. I'm looking forward to speaking to his lawyers again in November <laughs> when I make another video on him. Oh my god, that is so crazy. Fuck it, you've mentioned it. Let's go down that tangent. I want to know more oh, about geez. that Deleta thing, mate. Are you able to tell me any more? <laughs> 
Because <laughs> that was insane, that whole story. Because I, I remember any, watching uh... the video. Great video, by the way. But sadly, oh. no one else could actually go out and watch it now. <laughs> yeah, so basically, I don't think I'll get in too much trouble for saying this. Okay. The reason Hopefully. I was... Um, I was threatened over that was because I claimed that he was the one driving the Lambo. And uh, I took it down because I realised because my no family's... Proof. i got a family full of lawyers mm-hmm. and I was looking to enter the law myself until that IT thing came along. Mm. The reason why I took it down was because I knew if it did go to court, I'd lose it in 10 seconds. Yeah. Because... The defense, all the defense needs, uh, no, sorry, all the, um, the letters attorney needs to say is, how can you categorically prove that he was driving the car? Yep. You got any video evidence? No? Okay, well, say la vie. Yeah. So, like, that was it. It wasn't because I, you know, was saying he was a crap driver or anything like that. It was because I was saying that he was driving the Lambo. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. so I was like, okay, fine, I'll take it down. After it rolls past midnight, and I can get the AdSense money. Okay, take it down. Thanks for the money. <laughs> I love that, mate. I love that. <laughs> get a, no, at least squeeze, I mean, squeeze a little bit of money out of that dickhead. No, he's 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 not. He might be a bad guy. I don't know. He might be a but... nice guy, but yeah, he doesn't deserve his place and where he is. <laughs> no, so. just in real. I mean, the video will be coming out at the end of this year. Um. And I promise I will not say that he was driving the Lambo. <laughs> Rather, that he was allegedly driving the Lambo. There you go. There you go. But That's I the can word. say for certainty that he was driving that F2 car. And I will be honest about what I think of him in that F2 car. Yep. Be as honest as you like, mate. We're all, we're all there to listen, definitely. What? What's Jesus? I was not expecting this. My, we've gone way off script. But I'm absolutely loving it. These are some amazing stories, mate. I do want to touch back on because you said that it was televised. This sim racing thing you did, and you said mm-hmm. if you watch it, you'll see um, your, de- your declining mental state. Is it anywhere out there on the internet that we can find it? Do you know the what was the name of it? Uh maybe. I mean, uh I'm definitely going to go searching I mean, back after then, this. I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to show it because back then I was fatter than what I am right now, which is obviously not a very good, you know, look. Uh, I feel your pain. I can't remember. I know it was on national television, but I, don't, I think they Fair briefly enough. had the races on YouTube, but I think they took them down That's as funny. well, yeah, which is a pity, obviously. Yeah. But... I just think it would be quite a cool idea for a series for you re- reacting to when I was on national television doing sim rate. That is just mad. I can't believe I never knew that about you, mate. That that is that is sweet. I'm glad. Well, we, now you know. <laughs> I'm glad we've learned that today. That's epic. But um, yeah, we'll move on from sim racing. As you said, yeah, you did a bit of sim racing. You, you, sorry, you did a bit of kart racing first. That didn't quite mm-hmm. pan out. So you did sim racing instead. I mean, made <clears throat> thousands of dollars from sim racing. Madness. So cool. Yeah, well, I also, just to add to that, okay. I also, I was one of those people that would go to these conventions and stuff knowing there'd be simulator competitions there. And I'd just go nice. there and win all these competitions. So, like, I think I won something like four Logitech G29 wheels all up, <laughs> several gaming consoles, yeah, uh, tens of thousands of dollars worth of gaming or... or um, uh, like Husqvarna vouchers, for example. Uh, 
about the equivalent in cash prize money, um, like all kinds of stuff. But I mean, I would spend twenty bucks to go in there, and I walk out with a couple grand worth of prizes. <laughs> just That's it was just sweet. you know. But as well as that, I think people got used to me after a time. I just turn up and they'd be like, oh, for God's sake, this guy again. Set your time and bugger off. <laughs> I, also, I also actually, um, interesting, I um, there was this competition where you had to drive a Ford GT car around Le Mans and right. winners of each sort of individual race got a f- um, free ticket to the screening of Ford versus Ferrari and I won the race and they handed me the ticket and they're like wow I can't believe you won <laughs> <laughs> and then I went to Ford versus Ferrari and I was just like I wish I didn't win that race because this movie is just appallingly inaccurate <laughs> I got major beef with that film people would be like oh, really do you hate that film yeah I do as someone who loves the history of the sport, yeah, that thing was like twenty percent fact, eighty percent fiction, and I hated it to hell. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. If there's one thing about you, Josh, it's you love the history. It's one thing I always come away with after chatting with you is we'll be chatting about something, and you'll be like, "Oh, that was that was just like in 1986 <laughs> at round four at this track when this and this and this." I'm like, what? How, how do you know that, mate? Like, what are you on about? But somehow it pops out of your head. So yeah, for some normie casual like me, I thought it was a great movie. I was, I was loving it, mate. All the fast shots of the old cars and that was fantastic. But yeah, I guess if it wasn't particularly accurate, then yeah, you're probably uh, knocking at your own head. Getting I mean, you've got to have a bit of Hollywood in there for sure. Exactly. Like, <clears throat> I mean, Rush had like, I think Nicky Lauder said himself, you know, the movie's about eighty percent fact, you know, twenty percent Hollywood, but you got to, you got to, you know, expect that. It's like, yeah, that's that's fine. You've got to have a little bit of Hollywood in there to sort of, you know, move the plot along. But, you know, like things like <clears throat> completely omitting um, other people's involvement with the GT40 project, claiming that Miles was deliberately hampered by Ford, which was bogus, saying that Ferrari went on a tirade in, the, in his office, which was, again, bollocks, making Lorenzo... Bandini out to be a villain, I thought was just an absolutely appalling move. You know, it's just like for me, I love the history of the sport, and to see things like that, I was just like, screw this film. <laughs> it sounds petty, I know, but again, this is coming from, uh, you know, if you think that's petty, I've spent like the, about 30 minutes total talking about two animated car films. So, you know, like. I have no right to say anything is petty and pathetic. I built my channel on that. Yeah, yeah, I think we can, <laughs> I think we can agree on that. Um, but no, mate, it's fair enough. You're fair enough and entitled to your opinion. And I mean, I had no idea of those uh, yeah wrongdoings in the movie. So fair enough. I maybe I need to watch it with a more critical hat next time. <laughs> but um, hey, if you enjoy it, that's that's fine. But it was you know, good for like... for what it was for me anyway. I liked it. Loud noise of cars and fun story. <laughs> I wasn't room, going to go back and back check room, it, was room. I? So it's entertaining. Exactly, exactly. It's entertaining, and that's. I was going to say that's what it's all about at the end of the day, but yeah, you do need a bit of factual evidence in there as well from from time to time. But um, yeah, let's move back talking about things you hate to talking about things you like a bit more. Hopefully, um, <laughs> I was going to ask you earlier: Did you have any idea of what you wanted to be growing up? But you did say already that you 
wanted to be a journalist when you were uh, a sort of teenager, um, older child. When did that sort of come about? Uh, obviously, you weren't able to do that um, journalism course at school, which is frustrating. Did you go on to university to do something in that field? Or can you talk us through sort of how you went from school to then work to then finally YouTube? Well, there's a lot of parts to this. Uh, I can what, imagine. What, what I'm, I'm I all ears to, for you, Josh. Uh, what did I want to be when I grew up? Racing driver. I think a lot of you know of kids loving motorsports growing up wanted to be a racing driver. And, you know, especially playing games as a kid, you know, pre-teen, you know, I thought it was good. I thought it was, I thought it was a good driver. And then I got in the card against some of these kids that were just unbelievably talented. You know, I mean, yeah. we're talking, like, I mean, uh, Liam's a great guy. Love him, love him. But Liam Lawson, for example, you know, in a karting field, there would be people ahead of him. And, you know, I think that's sort of applicable to a lot of, you know, karting scenes out there. You know, you have a lot of these carters that are better than kids that just have the money to go into F1. Um, but the point is that I went up against some of this extraordinary talent. Some have gone into Formula E, some have gone on to DCM, uh, Aussie V8 supercars and all this stuff. And then I went up against them and I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm yeah. nowhere near them. Um, just, yeah, I mean, back then I didn't know how to drive a car, obviously. Now I do, but I don't want to do it because it's just a pathetic sport. <laughs> but Whoa, you know, You've just uh, thrown out so much shade <laughs> on so many people. <laughs> hey, let's, no, let's, no, let's be honest, though. It is, it is a bit crap that it's determined how it is. But, you know. Yeah. We'll move on for the sake of moving on. Yeah, um, let's, let's do that. So then it got to high school, and that's obviously when I needed to choose certain subjects for yeah. my career. So by the age of 14, you had to know what you wanted to do in life. That is pathetically bad to do to a child back then. So It's awful. I took up English-rich subjects because I wanted to be a journalist, because I wanted to write, you know articles write stories all that stuff and i thought okay this, this would be great and of course my parents are just like oh odds are you'll, you'll never get a job as a journalist because they're so hard to get no manner i ended up getting one but that comes later um we'll go on to that and then you know then i wanted to be a lawyer because you know i was following the money you know i, I was looking for that that forever job and you know how did that change happen they're very very different jobs yeah I think it, I think it happened because I was you know I was close with my uncle who was a lawyer and his right, daughter was that also a lawyer right. and I figured okay well that's you know that's a path I can go down because you know I don't I don't mind you know I don't mind being in a in a courtroom and using my mouth because I mean that that was extremely awkward um <laughs> I I don't I don't mind blabbering on as this podcast probably would have suggested by now um. What? But you know, no. like, <laughs> ha! I mean, overall, like, um, that was the aim, lawyer, until second to last year, where I was thrust into that IT class, and I was the top student in there. You know, I was getting the highest grades. You know, putting in. You know. 
well, other kids have put in like 50 page, you know, uh, projects. I was turning in like 120 pages and Jeez. all this jazz because I was so heavily invested in it. I was given a personal recommendation to a design school, accepted on the spot and um, I was like, okay, fine, sweet. I guess I'm becoming a web designer. Got the degree, it's back there. And after two weeks graduating and looking for jobs, it was the same thing. You know, looking for a young junior developer with five years experience. <laughs> Mate, that's what and... I'm in right now. That's what I'm doing right now. And I don't want to. I don't want to make this seem to you that it's a, a hopeless situation. It was just for me. I saw where the industry was going you know who's going to hire a, a professional web developer nowadays when you got Weebly when you got Wix when you got Squarespace yeah. this recommendation wasn't brought to you by Squarespace <laughs> but we're going to talk about Squarespace um, you know there are those sites out there where you know it's free yeah. and you can just you can just really get you know um, someone in communications to um, dot it up for you. You, you, you. you now can have people working a whole bunch of sectors in one because such a job is made easy. Who's going to yeah. spend thousands of bucks on on a web designer who's probably going to screw it up? Um, so, yeah, that's when I realized, okay, the industry's dying. What do I do? Um, I then took computing, uh, a Bachelor of Computer Sciences at Auckland University, and I was freaking lost. I didn't know what I was doing. I was still chasing the IT job because everyone was saying, you know, the family was saying, you know, this is the job, you know, for life. It's where the money is. And you're good at IT. Am I though? <laughs> um, and I think I was in the middle of, uh, of a programming lecture and I got the assignment and I'm just like, how the fuck am I going to do this? And I, meanwhile, I hear you know, others next to me talking about the little intricate parts to it. And I'm just like, I'm so out of my league here. Like, I, I am, I do not belong here. And dropped out of university, took up a job as a storeman in a logistics factory, just trying to earn a buck. You know what I mean? And it seems kind of pathetic, I guess you could say, you know, to, you know, go from an IT career, you know, potentially to working in a logistics factory. But, you know, at the same time, you know, it's, I guess, you know, helped me out and later in life in retrospect, you know, maybe from being a lazy worker to being one that actually, you know, pulled his head out of his ass and actually started working. Um, people was in people the, might say that that kind of that that would be a down step, but it's not really. It's all just meandering through life, finding that career path, and everyone yeah. finds their way to their end goal a different way. So although that hmm. might have been like usually to someone a down step, it was actually just part of your path to where you are today. So hmm. if people are in a sim similar sort of situation and are at uni and are feeling a bit left out and feeling like they're not really up for it and feeling like they might drop out don't think it's the end of the world kind of thing mm. you will be okay but you will end up finding that path mm. but yeah sorry I actually may have mixed, yeah I may have mixed the years up I think it was after my 
tertiary degree as being a web developer was when I went to the logistics factory. Then right. I went to the 2014 Bathurst 1000 and I came back and I heard the company was being liquidated. So I was out of a job again. Uh, so lovely. I ended up going to university the next year. Right, okay. Got, <clears throat> got you know, a job supplementing my, you know, living, uh, working in a McDonald's, which, you know, it goes nice. from being IT career to now back to, you know, in a, logistics, in a logistics factory, now studying at university again, working in a McDonald's. I was like, oh, okay, well, here I am. <clears throat> Eventually got up to manager, which was, you know, wasn't a, wasn't a bad income. But the problem is, is that, you know, you're still there. Um, mm. I then, I think 2017, I, here in this country anyway, we call it the big OE, overseas experience, which is generally going over to the UK, working in a pub. And I heard about that. I'm just like, okay, I've worked in hospitality long enough. I reckon I could do it. Um, I realize this, this is going to turn into a life story a little bit here, but that's ah, fine, it. mate. Let, let's, let's, let's keep on doing it. Well, up So there. I moved to the UK in May 2017. Right. And I've still got the BRP. I've, my, my visa is still uh, valid until this time next year. Nice. Whether it's going to get renewed or not, I don't know. <laughs> but we'll have to wait and see. All, all I will say, <laughs> all I will say, I'm probably one of the few people that actually does miss London. You know, but I was going to ask whereabouts were you in England? So was it? Uh, for the first two weeks, I was over in the West Midlands, just south of Solihull. Okay, and that was nice area. I suppose. Very different to London. <laughs> Very different to London, of course. Yeah. and I was, you know, I was in this. Um, restaurant bar um place living in the attic you know as all you know all expat um workers do um working 60 hours a week and earning 50 quid a week which wasn't a lot but you know um that is nothing it's nothing but it was free accommodation and uh, oh yeah, lunches. fair and true. I didn't, and I think it was free dinners as well. So okay. it wasn't totally bad. But you know, you're talking about you know the big OEs about experiencing Europe, and of course, you yeah. know, you got Ryanair, where of course it's Ryanair, but it's seven quid to go exactly a hundred kilometers away from Paris. <laughs> so, yeah. or you could take, or you could do what I do, take the overnight coach and go to Edinburgh for no fucking reason. Um, <clears throat> I go to Edinburgh and I'm just like, this is exactly like New Zealand, but with castles. Um, but, is New know, Zealand like, as hilly as Edinburgh? Because if it is, I don't want to go. Uh, have you been to Edinburgh? Uh, yes. It's very hilly. Okay, that's basically what Auckland's like. Oh, Almost, God. Uh, very, very, very <laughs> similar. Edinburgh's known for like basically being vertical at points. Yeah, well, similar, similar to uh, similar to Auckland. Okay, I guess but, I'll never um, be coming to New Zealand then. But there we are. You, well, you won't come miss to New me. Zealand, but just stay out of Auckland. I'm an Aucklander, and I'll tell you the okay. first thing. I will first stay away from, do, from once there you get anyway, out of Auckland Airport. First thing you do when you get out of Auckland Airport, get out of Auckland. <laughs> just go down to the South Island. Everything's in the South Island. The only thing that we've okay. got up here in, in in the North Island is overpriced houses and gypsy villages. Um, nice. But yeah, anyway, so I was in. 
Solihull for uh, the first week when I was being taught everything behind the bar. And I can go behind the bar and run it. Like, learned it all within three days. Yep. But I got the sense that they didn't want me there. Like, oh. I could tell the head chef was pissed at me. Uh, um, that's just English head chefs, mate, honestly. Yeah, I know, I know it is, They're but just I just assholes. got, I, I knew that he was telling the manager behind the scenes, get, get him, get, get him gone. And really? I could tell, I could tell within three days, I was like, ah, oh, shit, here we go. Mm. Um, and yeah, within the week, they said, uh, within the week of the trial period, they said, um, you sort of like the X Factor. I'm just like, oh, okay, that's a very vague reason, but okay, oh. fine. If you want, you don't want me here. <clears throat> I guess I won't be here. Um, but learned learned a bit, which was great. Moved back to London. <clears throat> tried getting multiple jobs, which included. Um, I was offered a part time gig as. Um, as someone who ran the uh, race car simulator place in Red Hill. I think it is south of London. That's um, like right, right by where <clears throat> I live, mate. Mm. And north of, north of north of Gatwick Airport, and you had to know is, from where I was living at the time. You had to is go that to Gatwick sim, Airport. Sim to race? Is that what it's called? I is can't that that remember one? what it was called. I think it's closed down lately. It was run oh, by really? Carlin, and it had uh, Takuma Sato's F3 car in the front foyer, which I thought was the coolest thing ever. Um, but you know, eventually I was offered a full time job at what was it what the hell was it called it was it was a paintball company um selling basically on the streets <coughs> you know whether it be in twickenham or stratford or wherever you just go out there and sell um you're one of those guys oh my god they're I, bloody I everywhere was. in the uk mate and i know all the i know all their tricks i can't I believe the, the, you're one of those guys oh my I god was. they were so annoying uh, I know. Hate I know. those but we guys. Had to, we had to make a living, mate. We had to <laughs> no, make that's a fair living. enough. But no, they're yeah, always very they nice. Were... They're always very nice. But I know they're all briefed to be like as yeah, in your face they're... as possible to get you to buy. Exactly. I know. I know. The, I know their trick. You know, it's basically yeah. they, they once they they try and negotiate with you, and it's like okay, okay, that's that's fine, that's fine. Three, two, one. Oh no! Hang on, hang on, hang on. Come, come, come here, come, come here. I need to get these gone. So you know, just 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 take these twenty quid. I'll be gone. <laughs> it's like um, it, it was really snake oil salesmanship, and it didn't work out. And by the stage, it was three months living with no income in London, and these guys were screwing with me. And I was just like, "This isn't working. Running out of money. Basically, I need really had enough money to get a flight ticket back home. Uh, came back home." supplement the income working in a mcdonald's and no direction at that point like it's like i'm not going to university i'm just stuck here in a maccas like this is mm. just it's just crap eventually a friend a family friend offered a job for me working as a a repairman for commercial and customer laptops for hp in new zealand i was like okay much better Got the gig for a couple of years, um, fully qualified, and you know I could do the job well. The pay was garbage, but you know it was an honourable job. And sometimes flying around the country to work. And 2018, which was I think 
the first year of working in that company was also when I uploaded the Andrea Motor video. And midway through 2019, it blew up and I wanted to see, okay, I want to do a different type of video. Let's try it out now that there's some kind of platform. Then that wormed its way into um, 2020, where, you know, by that stage it was 10,000 subscribers, which I thought was just amazeballs. Um, I get to TRS, and for some reason people there were noticing me. <laughs> and then I was noticed as well by the owner of Autocar New Zealand. Um, cool. And at that stage, a journalist had left to go over to Australia to work for Speed Cafe. Um, <clears throat> and he personally recommended me <clears throat> for that um, vacancy. And I got the job as a journalist wow. for Autocar New Zealand and Velocity News. And I loved it. But that was straight in at Autocar then. Mm. Wow. But the problem is, is that... Being a journalist, you've got to commit yourself to the job. You've got to be committed. It's not a nine-to-five. No, it's it's virtually 24-7. You know, I was yeah. reporting on races. I was reporting in F2 races, F1 races, F3 races, livery launches, um, yep. V8 supercar races, V8 supercar e-races, everything. Um, and they were at all hours of the night. And then I've got to be up in the yep. morning... You know, working through the day, it was, it was just taking a toll. And there was a, there was a time, <clears throat> you know, in sort of April, May last year. I remember speaking to you at that barely time. any content was coming out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've got to choose. Mm-hmm. Journalism job or YouTube? And I was like, I'm not gelling with journalism because there's a lot of bullshit, you know, a lot of... A lot of half-truths, sometimes complete falsehoods, a la Planet F1. <clears throat> I was like, I don't want to do that clickbaity crap. So, um, I was like, screw it. Let's make it work. Handed in my resignation. I half lied, saying I was getting third-party work, which I kind of was with the race. But realistically, I was going full-on with YouTube. The first paycheck, as a full-time YouTuber, was the equivalent of 400 quid for the month. Mm. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is interesting. <laughs> um, but of course, since then, it's, um, as you would imagine, and especially with the sponsorships with Skillshark, you know, no, it's not Skillshark. Um, sk- <laughs> you um, put your own sponsors on, mate. Skillshare, Surfshark, and you know Squarespace, you know all of them come along, Good boys. And obviously, with the crazy growth and the amount of views on these videos, yeah, it's um, no, it's gotten me into a position now where I'm close to being able to put a deposit down for a house. Wow. And to put it into context, I think for the better part of three or four years, I was living in um, overdraft, like literally yep. for about three or four years, I literally didn't actually have any money. Yep. I was borrowing from the bank. So complete turnaround. It was a big risk in the middle of a pandemic to quit a short job to go for a YouTube career. 
but obviously you know recently hit 200,000 subscribers yes it's been a bit detrimental to my mental and physical health but having said that um you know like obviously money isn't everything but you know it can lead to a more comfortable life and my life's a lot more comfortable now and I'm just doing what I love doing you know just creating videos about the sport that I love with random explosions and all that good stuff yeah, exactly you're having fun with it now and at <clears> the end of the day you have made the right decision to go with YouTube as you say it has worked out in a positive light but yeah that would have been a massive decision for you with everything that had gone on before that with the jobs that hadn't quite worked out and then uni that hadn't quite worked out and the Mackies and the, everything like that to then finally sink that job with Autocar and then feeling like, right, okay, I'm on, I'm on the path now to what I want to do and then suddenly having to make that decision again to drop that for another thing would have been so mm. difficult to throw caution to the wind and go for that but no, yeah. I remember speaking to you at the time, at that kind of time zone where you were thinking about doing it. And even, I'd spoken to you before that, and uh, you're always a jolly character. And I could tell when we would speak on the phone, I was like, oh my God, you're very stressed right now. Which is understandable <laughs> for the position you're in. But yeah, mate, you've done an insane job. You've been a pioneer of the F1 YouTube scene. And it's just cracking, mate. So I'm glad to hear that it's all going positively now. Hmm. So yeah, well, I mean, hey, like, um, I don't even feel I scratched the surface with this stuff, which is what it, what's exciting. Obviously, it's taking a to the two week break now, but you know, there's so much coming up. You know, the the, the animation's being sort of rejigged a little bit, nice. bit of a different design. The main, I mean, it's not totally different. You know, you'll notice a character as is, but it's been done by someone who knows what they're doing. Um, because right. I just don't have time to do an animation. Like, yeah, I think uh, there was one time in the Daravala video that, you, that you'll see that I got the mouth to move, and I could do that, but that so two-second thing took me something like four hours to do just <laughs> to God. make the cells and then to put them together. And I'm trying Jesus. to churn these things out on a weekly basis. Yeah. So getting someone to sort that out... Um, you know, and, you know, just a whole bunch of things, obviously. So whilst people are saying, oh, I love your stuff, it's like, yeah, for me, there's still a hell of a lot more I could do, you know, to it. And, you know, still topics for days. Like the WTF videos are sussed until the end of 2023. I'm not sure for ideas. Like, there's still plenty of, you know, topics to talk about and drivers to slander and all that stuff. Exactly. You know, it's... That's it's the all, Josh Revel way. It's all jolly and good. Everyone loves that Josh Revel. You know, the uh, <laughs> the person that is slightly batshit crazy and has got a unhealthy obsession for bombs and Sir Lancelot. <laughs> Everyone loves that Josh Revel, except any head chefs or anyone that works at sim racing venues. Ah, oh, oh, screw them. That, that head <laughs> we chef. We hate them anyway. <laughs> I mean, how... I mean, um, to, to be fair, I think he was a bit let down by the fact he had no more hair left. Mm. So, I'll um, it's what it is. I'll forgive him for that one. Plus, yeah, when I exactly. come back over, when I come back over for the um, for the UK trip, I'll pay that restaurant a little yeah. visit. Oh, hey, mate, you, know how, you know how you find so me funny. back then? 
you know how you find me back then i just want to thank you so much since then this Give a big that Aston parked out there in the car park yeah that was a result of that so thank you bud nice <laughs> Love to see it, mate. That'll be so epic. You've, you've got to go and do that. Just rub, just rub it in a little bit. Just a, just a tad. Just Good a to tad. Just a tad. I'm, I'm, I'm an egotistical bitch, so you know that I rub <laughs> it in all the way. I wasn't going to say that, but I'm, I'm glad you said it. Uh, <laughs> I am self-deprecation. That's the thing, you know? Self-deprecation. You've got to exactly. laugh at yourself a little bit. Exactly. It has to be done. And, yeah, you certainly do that in your videos, mate. You're always engaging... And I think that's why people vibe with you. Yeah, you're just like a normal bloke. We can all vibe with you. We all agree with you on a lot of things. I'm anything but a normal bloke. So. <laughs> but, you know, you got to have that sort of, you know, humility, humbleness, exactly. I suppose. You know, yeah, yeah. It makes, you know, it makes the whole thing a lot. I mean, I, I grew up watching YouTubers. I knew what I wanted to see from them. And I tried to put that in there. I wanted to be that guy that always responds to every comment and then I started getting you know, thousands of comments. I'm just like, crap, I can't do this. This is why they didn't do it, right? <laughs> yeah, you kind of see it but from... But I, I generally uh, try and, you know, you know, take my experiences from being a subscriber mm-hmm. and trying to, to you know, yeah. give the best experience I can in whatever way I yeah. can. Yeah, so sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, well, it just clearly worked a bit, mate. You've got 200,000 subscribers, so you're definitely <laughs> doing something right. But um, I think that's where I'm going to call it for today for my questioning anyway, mate. Some incredible oh. stories from you. Amazing to hear more about your life and exactly what happened. And I'm still just completely baffled that you're basically a pro sim racer. So maybe we'll see you in the next F1 <laughs> Esports series. Pro sim racer. I won't go that far. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I've got like four boxes with the trophies down the, uh, in the basement. Ooh, so maybe nice. a little bit of a pro. Little trophy haul coming up soon. Uh, I'm actually Reese Bobby from Talladega Nights. <laughs> I am a semi-professional sim racing driver and an amateur person. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I mean, I, nice. I guess, I guess one day I'll bring up that bloody sim racing career of mine or Amazing. someone could find the videos online and haunt me forever i want to do this i'm definitely going to look for them now mate i'm definitely going to look for them <laughs> and the words of that and the words of that stupid guy from uh, on the phone from taken good luck <laughs> good luck <laughs> i will find them and i will haunt you forever joshua <laughs> Uh, I will haunt you. I've opened up Pandora's box. Yeah. You really have. You really have. Someone out there is listening. It's gonna find it. I bet. But um, yeah, please. that's it for my. No, please. <laughs> that's about it for my questioning today. But I have asked for the fans to send me in some questions over on Instagram and Twitter. So you up for answering a couple of those questions as well? Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yep, go on. All right, perfect. I've Do just your got, worst. <laughs> just got four for you today. Hopefully they're not too bad. Hopefully Only four? Right. Only four. Oh, we had a lot more, mate. I won't lie. We had a lot more than that, but I cut it down to just my favourites. And we've already been speaking for about an hour, so let's have a cheeky little rattle. What happens through. when you let me talk, dude? Exactly. <laughs> like, you're just so interesting, mate. That's it. You're just so interesting. Don't say that. <laughs> right. First question. It's from at Daniel Philpot on Twitter. He asked, ah, "Oh, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. Who is a driver who never got a chance to race in F1 that you think should have?" 
Hmm, never got a chance by that wording. Oh boy. It's a bit it's a big open one to, to start off with, yeah. I'm sorry about that, mate. Whole history of racing. Who Especially on your tired, chance? tired brain. No, no, I'm you know, just trawling through the entire history of the sport, so, trying to determine so who should have got that chance. I think just an easy answer would be Tom Christensen. You know, nine-time Le Mans winner. I think that says enough. Yeah, he's in terms of who who should have got a proper shot, as in like who never got a proper shot at Formula One, even though they were in it for like a couple of races. Two people: Mike Thackwell and Stephen Baloff. Really, yeah, lost talents. So, yeah, hopefully that answered the question. Yep. No, fair enough. Some some. I've heard. I think I've heard of two two of the three of those. But yeah, maybe one of them's a bit further back than. My knowledge goes, but equally, my knowledge is absolutely dreadful. So let's move on to the second <laughs> question. At WillB17K on Instagram asks, um, well, he said, what is your favourite movie, racing-themed or not? But I'm going to say, apart from Ford versus Ferrari, what is your favourite movie, racing-themed or not? You bastard. Um, favourite film of all time. Goodfellas. Fair enough. So straight in there. Why? Hmm. Uh, just everything. It's a Martin Scorsese film. Fair. Like, no, it's 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 a it's a beautifully crafted film. It's got a hell of a cast. You know, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. You know, Joe Pesci. Mm-hmm. He's four foot nothing, but he's the most intimidating guy in the world. If if you were locked in a room, <laughs> yeah, and you had a baseball bat, he he'd get the baseball bat from you and kill you. No, yeah. There's no there's no chance with Joe Pesci in the room. So, you know, that was him in his prime in the 90s in a gangster film directed by Martin Scorsese. Like, it's it's everything that you need, you know? Okay, fair enough. That fair and, enough. you know, th- th- films like Pop Fiction and so forth. There's just so many good things from that time. But, you know, Goodfellas for me is something that it doesn't matter how many times I watch it, I still just, you know, I just, just love it more and more every time I watch it. And normally I'm the type of person that's just like, oh, good movie. I won't watch that again. That's what I do. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, no, that's right. I've, n- I've never actually seen Goodfellas, so maybe with your recommendation now, I'll need to go out and watch it now. You gotta, you gotta. Give it a I'll watch, dude. I'll go and do it for you. I'll do it for you. Better than right. Ford versus Ferrari. Is it? Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, it's better than that, right. Considering your thoughts on Ford versus Ferrari, that probably wasn't that difficult. <laughs> but um, yeah, okay. I'll take the recommendation forward, mate. Right, third question. At Luca on... Rouge Energy, I think that's what, how I'm going to go with that pronunciation, on Instagram, they asked, is other motor racing, so not Formula One, big in New Zealand, and do you see it growing? Uh, yeah, Aussie supercars are the biggest sport, uh, motorsport here in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. There's also um, super stocks, dirt racing, you know, like right. sprint cars, that's also yeah, yeah. big here. Mm-hmm. Um no, Formula One is probably on the motor racing scene. It's a little lower down than you'd think, because we're kind of bandwagoners. Like right. it's amazing how quickly our support can drop for a team. Especially, for example, if you're in England and you send a three-toed batter out to bat in a super over. Um, but um, yeah, like I mean. Definitely other motorsport is more popular than Formula One here. And, I mean, especially with supercars, for example, V8 supercars 
that's, you know, I think even for people that aren't interested in motor racing, they'd understand things like the Bathurst 1000 and Holden versus Ford and all, and Greg Murphy and all that stuff. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, definitely other motorsports are popular here. Mm-hmm. Is it growing? Definitely not. <laughs> it's it's right. definitely sliding here ah, because okay. it's, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it is waning for a few different reasons. Um, participation is waning, support's waning. Um, there are ways that it can be improved. Unfortunately, the people who could improve it don't run Motorsport New Zealand. Right. Maybe that will change in the future, but uh, yeah, it's basically yes. Yeah, hopefully for New Zealand's sake, they do, because yeah, hopefully you, you don't get people moving up into the top ranks unless those lower <laughs> ranks are have loads of people around them and racing in them and supporting them and things like that. So yeah, hopefully I mean, that I should does say happen. that we've also got the Toyota Racing Series here, you know, yes. and, which is great because I mean, before the end of the world happened, you know, the last season where we had, um, you know, internationals come here, you know, we had Liam Lawson, Yuki Tsunoda, um, crap the list has just fallen off my head but you know in the previous sort of four or five years you know we've had Lando Norris Lance Stroll Jahan Daravala Robert Schwartzman Marcus Armstrong um just uh heaps heaps to Daniel Kvyat Mitch Evans um Nick Cassidy I can go on and on I can tell it's it's great you know you can look through that grid and you can be sure that there's going to be at least someone in there who's going to be destined for great things in the future right Um, so you know that's obviously one aspect which is growing here in New Zealand Um, and you know that's that's good, you know, yeah. to know that, you know, you can go to this these events and see the next F1 superstar in the making. Yeah, it's definitely a cool thing to be able to do. And yeah, as you're saying, that one's definitely picking up. I'd never heard of it until you started doing your, um, I don't know what you specifically called them. I remember you started, you did uh, videos around the New Zealand Grand Prix. I didn't yeah. even know what it was before you made those. So I think you've done a lot to educate people not only from New Zealand but from around the world as to that series and what it is and that New Zealand Grand Prix to mm. then increase numbers increase viewership around it online because after you've done that I then went and watched the race after it happened I went and rewatched it whereas without you I would never have done that so I think you're definitely playing a part in uh, revitalising the New Zealand uh, racing scene there mate so there you go you can take all the credit for it bit off the New Zealand cor- Corporation or whatever you call them you, you're the one boy you're the one I know I'm already claiming. <laughs> you should be the one. I told you I'm an egotistical wreck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I knew it coming in did to be mate. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, right, okay. Yeah. Final question. At Statistics Race on Twitter, they asked, mm-hmm. what is something you know now, but you wish you knew before your channel on YouTube blew up? Um, quite a deep question to finish it up on mate yeah (laughs) I don't know I don't know honestly like I mean I think you just uh, you know this as well you learn a lot of stuff 
just video by video. You're always learning yeah. something, you know, in yeah. video making or otherwise. Um, I honestly don't know if um, there's anything that I necessarily would want to know beforehand. Okay. Because I think you know, everything up to this point has shaped the channel to be what it is today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I probably would have said, don't take comments too seriously, but honestly, I I, I didn't then, I don't now. I love support. Yeah. People that criticize it, I, I, I really don't care. <laughs> I just, it's not, I knew people were going to hate my style of stuff because it's not the norm. You know, nothing about what I produce is normal. Um, so nothing about you is normal, um, mate. Sorry, I said nothing about you is normal, mate. Oh, I was joking. <laughs> but you know, sorry, the, the, whole, the whole, <laughs> the whole, the whole thing is that, um, you know, if that's the one thing I would have said, I wish I'd learned. No, it's, it's not applicable. Uh, honestly, I don't, I don't know. Like it's, I'm not trying to back out of the question either. That's fair I really don't know. I That's think, fair you enough. Know, no, YouTube and it's, all it's that. Good to, it's good creative. to learn things uh, yeah, exactly. along the way because it exactly. makes you a better YouTuber. You yeah. Know? That's what I was going to say. Definitely kind of learned, I've definitely learned a lot of things along the way. Mm -hmm. I'll uh, don't use race footage from 2017 onwards. Stick yeah. to B roll and FP1 stuff. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. I think I'm gonna, I'll take on board that one as well. I think uh, <laughs> I've definitely used race footage uh, since 2017. So you maybe I should have. Go and clip those out I have a little to. bit. Your secret's safe with me. No Thank one's going to know. All you do is... You're going to edit this out, you might, aren't you? You might still... <laughs> <laughs> you, might, you might still get caught, but what I've always done is just crop it a bit and then flip it. I've always found that worked fine, but maybe it's just because... I mean, I feel like once you're... I feel like I can sort of get away with it a bit, but you're kind of a figurehead of the scene. They're kind of going to be a pretty... They're going to have their eyes on you and what you're doing. So yeah. you've kind of got to be the martyr of being good. Yeah, just about. <laughs> doing your best, doing your best. But we love to see it, mate. We love to see all mm. the content you're making. And as I've said previously, you're doing a stellar job. You've earned this two weeks break, mate. So enjoy it. And Jesus Christ, get some sleep, mate. <laughs> Plenty of time to sleep when... <laughs> That goes really too dead. dark. You you know what comes <laughs> next. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll leave it. We'll leave it there. But um, yeah, I think that's about all for today's episode of the Chatterbox Podcast. Thank you very much for for chatting with me today, sir. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. Do you have anything anything you'd like to say finally to anyone that that might be listening out there? Yep. Four versus Ferrari sucks. <laughs> that movie should be burned to the ground. And whoever was that. Um, was that uh, swine that directed it. I just hope they know that Logan was a good film, but that doesn't give you the passports to make the abomination that was that film. You've dragged John... Uh, I, I give up. <laughs> just, you've dragged plenty of names through the mud, and I'll never forgive you for it. Well, there we go. But I mean, Ending the podcast as positive as always, as Josh... <laughs> If there was a nuke, that film would get it in classic Josh Rebel style. Fair enough. Fair enough. You do a little bit of a E.T. landfill suppose... type thing and just bury it as far below the ground as you can. But I suppose if I had to end it on anything, end it as usual. 
Keep it respectful, be wholesome, don't be a manus, and as always, I'll see you all later. Oh, I can't believe you stole that, mate. I was I was gonna end it with exactly that. Damn, he stole You're not it. Not gonna steal me. my catchphrase, mate. Not gonna happen. <laughs> my mouth just immediately gets closed. Copyright. You can't say that. You can't say that. Pay Josh. Josh Revel, one million pounds, right hey, now. Hey, you could, you could steal FOM footage all you like, but you don't say shit about my mama's joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll keep that in mind, but I'll keep that in mind. I've got the... Got, uh, oh, you've man. had the ladies' lawyers coming after you, and I'm going to have your lawyers coming after me. Jesus. This could be very interesting. What, but, uh, what lawyers? Oh. It's, just me in, it's just me in the basement just sending off angry letters. <laughs> yeah, okay, I can believe that. I can believe that. But yeah, let's actually end it now. <laughs> We're just going down a deeper rabbit hole like, of rubbish. Oh, it'll be a half an hour podcast. It's almost an hour and a half. Wait, okay. End it. Excuse end me. It. <laughs> this hey. is being recorded, isn't it? End it. Stop it. <laughs> All right, I was about to tell people, if they somehow hadn't already, to go over to your channel and subscribe, but I'm going to take that away now. Don't go and do that. No, I'm joking. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Wait, what? Definitely make sure you go and do that. I mean, it's got over 200k, so it's the likelihood is you've already done it. But if you haven't, make sure you go and subscribe to Josh's channel. Link will be down below in the description. And also, if you somehow made it over here from Josh's channel, welcome. Become a meerkat today. Subscribe down below. I would really appreciate that. And if you did enjoy the video, be sure to drop a like on it as well. But otherwise, thank you all so much for watching. Don't be a manus, and I'll see all of you meerkats later. Goodbye, guys.